Well, last week uh, we began a sermon series focused on not wasting your life. Don't waste your life. It was a reminder for us that, that what we do in this life matters. Right? Uh, not only for the things that take place in this world, but what we do in this life matters for the world that is to come. Right? As a reminder for us also of just how fleeting that life can be. Uh, here today, uh, gone tomorrow, that our lives are, are like uh, grass, the flowers of the field. Uh, the wind blows and it's gone. And, our, and Scripture is filled with all kinds of little reminders like that. And our first Scripture reading this morning includes that. It's in James chapter 4. Uh, Verse 13 through 17, I invite you to open your Bibles with me there. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. Uh, James uh, is the brother of Jesus. Uh, He was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And he's he's writing this letter. I think it's more like a sermon that he delivers uh, to the people there in Jerusalem that's then written down and taken out to the people in the surrounding areas and churches as well. It offers a lot of instruction based on the teachings of Jesus, right? This is what Jesus teaches. This is what Jesus leads us to do. And this is a part of what it looks like within our lives. And so we're reading here uh, some of these words of wisdom from James chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. It says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there doing business and making money. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wishes, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it commits sin. Uh, This is the word of God for us, the people of God. So most people that I know like to make plans. I mean, I like having a plan. Uh, I have a calendar on my phone that tells me what my plan is. Uh, And if it's not on my calendar, then I don't know what the plan is, right? I mean, it, it, it maps out a lot of parts of life for me. And if it doesn't end up on this phone, then I probably don't remember it or know what's going on. So it's, a, it's, it's an important part of that piece of the puzzle for me. And there's things on here that are planned out. Uh, for this year into the next year, uh, not, not too much into 2025, but I do have some friends who they plan their life that way. They've got vacations in 2025 lined up, what week they're going, where they're going, what they're going to do each day, what each minute of the day is going to, maybe not that detail, but, but you probably know some people like that, or maybe you're that person. When you go on a trip, you know where you're going to be. There's a detailed schedule, uh, of, of what that's going to look like, um, I'm not that planned out, but I like having a plan. I don't mind sometimes if somebody else makes that kind of a plan and then I can just follow it. But, but, but we like to plan. Uh, and and some of the times when we make a plan, we, we write it down in ink, right? It's permanent. This is, this is going to happen. Sometimes when we make a plan, it's in pencil. And so I can, I can erase it and make a different plan or I can change it. Maybe if a better option comes available, we might pass up on whatever that plan is. Uh, but planning is an important part of our lives. Perhaps you've heard the uh, familiar adage, those who fail to plan, plan to fail. Uh, it's one of those things that, I, that we've grown up hearing. And so when we think about our tendency, our desire, this, this want to have a plan, and then we match it up with James's words of instruction, you know, we, we kind of come to a point of, well, what is James saying? It's, sometimes when we read this passage, 
uh, we can read it as though James is saying, never make any plans, right? right? Don't say that you're going to do this and do this and do this. Don't make any plans. Don't plan what you're going to do for Thanksgiving because you don't know what might happen. I don't think that's what James is saying. Uh, I, I think the Bible assumes that the people who are reading it are, are smart and can reason out some things together, that there's a way to make plans, there's a way to think about things. You can, you can plan what you're going to do for Thanksgiving and who you're going to be with and where you're going to go, but your plan shouldn't trump God's plans. Right? That's what he's inviting us to understand. Whatever you've laid out for your life shouldn't become so concrete and written in stone that you're going to ignore what it is that God would have you to do. That's why James says that we should say, if the Lord wishes, we will live and do this and that. Because what he's inviting us to do is to submit our desires, to submit our dreams, to submit uh, our life to what God's dreams would be, to what God's desires would be, to what God would want for my life. A couple of months ago in our sermon, uh, our sermon series that we were doing, uh, our summer in the scriptures, and we're reading through the book of Acts, we came across this passage where Paul was planning on going on a, a missionary journey to visit all of the churches that he had visited on his first missionary trip. He was traveling from place to place, and he had his plan laid out, all of the places that he was going to go and, and what order he was going to go and what he was going to do. Uh, but the scripture tells us that as he was preparing to go into uh, Asia, uh, Asia Minor, uh, basically modern-day Turkey, as he was planning to go and visit churches in that area, the Holy Spirit said, uh, no, Paul, not, not right now. This isn't the place to go. And so Paul ends up going a little bit further north. And he's like, okay, well, maybe now I can go in. And the Holy Spirit says, no, Paul, you're not going in right now. And so then he's like, okay, well, I'm going to go west then. And so he continues to go west. And he's like, well, maybe I can go now. And the Holy Spirit says, no, Paul, this is not, this is not the time for you to go into these places. And so then he ends up going west. He has this dream uh, of the Macedonian man. And so he travels over into Greece. And that's where God is leading and guiding him and calling him is to go and to spread the good news of Jesus in the area of Greece. But what, what Paul had to do was take the plan that he had and then submit it to God's plan. Okay? He, had a, he had his own plan laid out, but he wasn't so stuck fast on it that he couldn't listen to what God was calling him to do. Right? This is what James means for us. It's, and he tells us why it's important to take this approach. This is because you're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes that your life is fleeting. We only have but a short amount of time on this earth. And so instead of wasting our lives, pursuing our own dreams and our own agendas and our own plans, Scripture says you can have a life that matters by following God's plans, by listening for Him as He leads and guides you along life's journey. In our Experiencing God study that we've been doing on Wednesdays now for a few weeks. And we're going to offer it again in the spring because a lot of you are not in the course and you should be. Um, But in the study, it's talking about how Jesus is our map through life. Uh, It's a reminder to us that if you want our life to matter, that we'll have to allow Jesus to be our map and to be our guide. And one of the illustrations that it shows is... um, uh, about a pastor who's in a city that's surrounded by a number of farming communities. And one day he's invited to go out to this guy's farm. And the farmer gives him all these instructions. Okay, so you drive two miles outside of the city, uh, and then you take a ride at the red barn. 
Uh, you go down for about four miles and you take a left and then you skip down a couple of streets and you take the right down to a dirt road. You skip the first dirt road. You go to the second one. You take the left. I mean, it's all these instructions. You, know, you find the poplar tree. You circle around that. You dot the I and cross the T and you'll end up there. And the, the pastor says he's riding all these directions down furiously and he's lucky that he gets there, but he makes it there in the end. He says the next time, that he goes out to this guy's farm. He has him in the car with him. And he says it was so much easier instead of trying to map it all out to just listen as he says, okay, now you need to turn right. You're going to drive for a little ways and then I'll tell you when to turn next. And they go down the road and they go down the road and then he says, okay, now you need to take a turn left. And he says they end up going away that he would have never been able to figure out his own, but because he had the person who knew the way in the car with him to tell him each place along that he needed to turn, that he knew how to get there, that it, it erased, it eased the anxieties that he had because he could just listen to the voice of the one who knew the way. In your life, Jesus is your map. The Holy Spirit is your guide. And rather than making concrete plans and pen about all the things you want to do, the places that you're going to go, like we can have Jesus by our side. There might be times when it's hard, right? Whenever it's like you're going down the straight part of the road and you're like, well, should I turn here? And it's like, well, no, I don't think this is the place to turn. What about here? No, this isn't the place to turn. And finally you get there and he says, turn. And it's like, okay, I need to listen now and I need to go. And so there's those moments where it's, you're wondering, but, but if we can just trust enough that Jesus will tell us when we need to take that next step, when we need to take that next turn, it eases all of those worries, all of those anxieties. We have Jesus by our side. We can listen for his directions. We can listen for his guidance. And we can find his peace. You know, my plan in life was to, to be a lawyer. And I was dead set that that was the path that I was going to be on. And then God said, no, that's not the direction that I want you to go. I was like, okay, well, let me refigure things out. I was like, okay, well, my next plan, uh, I'm going to work with the homeless and people in need. And this is definitely something that would be a God-honoring thing to do. I was going to do it to serve him and his purposes. Uh, But God said, you know, that's, that's not the direction that he wanted me to go. The next plan that I have was to be a missionary. I had a whole plan mapped out. I had a pastor friend that I knew uh, who... Uh, was uh, connected down in South Africa. And, you know, I was going to go down there. I had my fundraising planned, my goals lined up, how much I thought I would need, the supplies, the resources, what I was going to do when I was there. I'd mapped it all out. The door never opened for me to go. It wasn't God's plan for me to go there. The door that ended up opening in my life was for me to work with youth. So I stepped into that door, something I never thought I would do, but I ended up working with youth. And then, then God opened a door for me to go and work at the Methodist Children's Home. And then God opened a door for me to go to seminary and to take classes and to study. And then God opened a door for me to serve at a small rural church in North Carolina. And when I went to that church, my plan was to go and to be there for two years. And God kind of laughed at my plan. Uh, and so I was there for, for four years. And it was a, a great blessing to my life. And One of the things I was thinking about is I was thinking of the ways that God orchestrates things. If I'd only been in North Carolina for two years, I would have never ended up at this place at this point in time. I would have I would have never made my way here because I would have came back to Florida and gone and moved all around and in other places. But God 
is orchestrating things. He's inviting us to follow his plan each step along the way, to follow as he leads, as he guides, as he orders our step. And so what I'm saying, what James is saying is that since our lives are so easily here one day and gone the next, since none of us can guarantee what tomorrow may bring, we should live our lives in tune with God's plans for our lives, listening where God might lead us today, where God might lead us tomorrow, ready when God calls us. And if I'm too caught up in my own plans, then I'm going to miss out on God's plans for my life. So how do we put ourselves in the kind of position where we're able to listen to God's call? How, how, do, I, how do I put myself in that place where I'm listening and ready and able to hear when God tells me to go, when he tells me to do, when he invites me to take a different step? I think Jesus offers some instruction for us. So we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 19 through 21. Matthew 6, verse 19 through 21. Uh, this is uh, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is it's probably the longest recorded teaching uh, of Jesus that's in the Bible. And these three verses are, are kind of right at the center of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you could kind of say that, that perhaps they're the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. And I think it's incredible that they're in the space that they are because they're so focused on where our hearts are. Uh, the heart of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is wisdom, is instruction for our, for our living and how we follow God's plan it is laid out, is spelled out here, summarized for us in these three verses. So Matthew 6, verse 19, he says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust consume, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consume, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right, so at the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is addressing the posture of our hearts. You know, where is, you, where is your heart focused? Is it on the kingdoms of this earth or is it on the kingdom of heaven? Where are you investing your time, your talent, and your treasures? Are you focused on building your wealth, uh, building your brand? Are you focused on building a particular lifestyle? Are you focused on the things that are eternal? Do you spend as much time planning how you're going to use your time and talent and treasures for heavenly purposes as you do for earthly possessions and pleasures? I mean, if we're, if we're honest, there are probably very few things that we enjoy more than stored up treasures. I mean, we collect stamps or coins, crystal, china, all kinds of different figurines. Uh, my mom has a collection of shot glasses at her house, and she's never had a drink in her life. Like, I don't, I don't know what the purpose is, but... I've got a collection of baseball cards that I've had for over 25 years and shoe boxes and other bins. And I'm sure my wife is like, why do we still have those? Can't you just get rid of it? I was like, no, I've got to hold on to them. I've got to keep them. You know, they, they might be worth something one day. It's more than just paper. I don't, I don't have any of the Mickey Mantles rookies. That would be incredible if I did. But, um, but we collect all kinds of things. We collect money in the form of cash and CDs and stocks and bonds and precious metals. We collect real estate and academic degrees, jewelry and painting and sports trophies. We collect adventures and travels. And we uh, put them on our, our, little, our little maps, our little passports and all the things, the places that we've gone. I mean, we collect and hold on to so much stuff that I think one of the most 
recession and inflation-proof businesses in our country these days is storage facilities, right? I mean, that's, that's an investment right there. I mean, we just have so much stuff that we can't even hold it within our houses, so I got to buy some other place to go and put all of our stuff. You know, one of the ironies is that the more valuable our collection is, the more vulnerable we are to loss. And the more anxious we tend to be concerning our collection's vulnerability. You know, that, that we begin to worry about how I can maintain all of these things that I have. Like, how do I protect? How do I preserve these different things that I have? And we also get anxiety because uh, the more things that we have, the more things that we need to have. Well, I need to add to my collection. There's a piece missing from it. There's a piece here. There's a piece there. There's a trip here. There's a thing here. I haven't done this yet. I haven't done that. And the question becomes with our possessions is whether, whether we possess them or do they begin to possess us? Do they begin to wrap themselves around us so much that they begin to dictate our lives? One of our treasures can become idols to us. We can invest so much in our attempts to control every aspect of our lives, to secure every aspect of our lives, that we fail to give God the space to direct what we're doing with our lives. We can put so much of our efforts into maintaining and accumulating these earthly treasures that we squeeze out any space for God to direct us on how we're to use these things that he gave us in the first place. Jesus warns us that our focus, our dreams, our planning cannot be so tied up on these earthly treasures because if they are, we're going to be sorely disappointed. Moth and rust consume, thieves break in and steal, markets crash, home values bottom out, children develop minds of their own. Our, Our own lives are not guaranteed for another day. So Jesus says we need to reorient our lives. We need to refocus our lives. We need to change the way that we plan our days and our futures around things that are eternal. I don't think this means that Jesus is saying, you know, don't have a savings account. Don't have an emergency fund. Don't have a place to live. Never go out to eat. Never buy the, you know, $10 drink at Starbucks, which is just coffee these days, I think. But, um, you know, maybe you don't go there every day, right? Like, but, but, but his invitation to us is to focus on, on how we use all of these things for his purposes rather than our own purposes. Perhaps you've heard the name Randy Alcorn before. He's a pastor out west. Uh, he wrote a book entitled The Treasure Principle, and it comes right out of these words that Jesus offers to us. And the main principle in the book is that you can't take it with you but you can send it on ahead. That's kind of his way of interpreting what Jesus is saying. And he writes this book and he offers six keys or six principles that help us to to think through and live this out. Uh, And so the first is this, that God owns everything and that I'm his money manager, right? And so these are going to actually be on the screen uh, here in a little bit. And so if you want to write them down, you can. They'll go up and they'll stay up there. But the first principle is that God owns everything and that I'm his money manager. The second principle is that my heart always goes where I put God's money. The third principle is that heaven, which is the new earth, not the present one, is my home. Like That's my home, and this is the place that I'm just passing through. The fourth key is that I should live today not for this moment here on earth, but in light of eternity. The fifth key is that giving is the only antidote to materialism. 
And the sixth is that God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. And he writes this book and he lays out these keys uh, as a part of the attitude and focus and planning that begin to reorient our heart toward the things of God that help us to be able to listen for God's plan for our lives and to turn when he tells us to turn and to go straight when he says to go straight, that we are focused and listening for his guidance within us. Right from the very first key that Randy Alcorn lays out, it's an acknowledgement that everything belongs to God. And my role is just to steward it, to, to manage it for his purposes. God has given me the opportunity to use all of these things with the invitation that I'm, to use it for his purposes. I mean, if you wake up tomorrow, God has blessed you with another day. And you can choose to use your time for heavenly purposes. In the places that you go and the people that you speak to, you have the opportunity to use your time and your words in kingdom-building ways. There's a choice. You can use uh, your time and your words to express your annoyance at all the people around you and how inept they are. Or you can find ways to use your time and your words in ways that are going to be uplifting, that are going to be encouraging, that are going to point people towards Jesus. And I have to admit, this might be an area where I'm, I'm realizing some ongoing work that I need to do. Uh, yesterday, I was out on the football fields coaching my 11-year-old's flag football team. And my purpose as a coach at that point in time was, I'm going to get these kids to win. <laughs> Very earthly focused purpose. And so I'm, you know, arguing with the referee about what's going on. And, you know, I'm offering for him to borrow my glasses so that he could see better. <laughs> and so as I'm thinking about having a kingdom mindset and how I use my time with a kingdom-focused mindset, perhaps, perhaps I need to adjust what I'm doing and to see that, you know what, there's a way in which I coach. There's a way in which I interact with these kids and the referees and the rest of this organization that my kid is playing with that might have a kingdom-focused purpose. That, that through the way that I speak, through the way that I lead, through the way that I encourage, it might point people towards Jesus. And then I might be able to lift up and encourage rather than tear down. All right, so how can I use my time to serve his kingdom and his purposes? How can you use the time that you've been given and the days that you have for his purposes? We might talk about how we can use our talents uh, that God has given us to serve him. Uh, there's a great number of things that we can use our, our time and our talents to accomplish in service to his kingdom. I mean, the, that insert in the bulletin has a whole long list of things within the life of the church that can be things that you can serve as a part of. Uh, welcoming people, greeting people, uh, helping them to feel that they are loved and cared for as they approach this church, helping to plant the seeds of love and hospitality to encourage people to know Jesus. Uh, pastor that I, that I follow, that I like, he says the gospel is offensive. Nothing else should be, right? The gospel reminds us that we have all fallen short, that Christ is the only hope we have for salvation and for life eternal, that that's not uh, the message that is going to come across to an unbelieving world in a way that uh, is, is going to uh, um, make them think anything less than, than being offended at first until they realize the truth of it. But so nothing else that we do 
should be offensive, that everything else we should do should be encouraging, should be kind of tilling up the soil so that that seed of the truth of the gospel, when it's planted within their hearts, can have the opportunity to flourish and to grow. And so there's things that we do in the life of the church that help advance that cause, that, that help serve that purpose through the ways that we welcome and greet, through the ways that we care for the facility around us. Uh, through the ways that we build spaces for fellowship, through uh, the talents and time that we use to go and visit with people who are, who are sick or who are homebound or who can't get out, through our bus ministries, through all these different things. And there's a long list of them in there. But there's ways that we can use the talents that God has given us to serve His kingdom purposes. And there's ways outside of the church, not just in here, but, but outside, that we can advance His kingdom purposes and God's plans and agendas. And you can serve in your HOA with a kingdom mindset. I mean, I wonder what that meeting would look like if I'm entering into it and thinking about, you know, how do I relate to these people? How do I offer myself in service in this particular community with this group of people in a way that's going to lift them up and point people towards Jesus? How can I be a person of peace in the midst of this situation? Uh, you could serve with at Habitat or Community Orchestra, an organization or any other thing. Uh, within, within your workspace and the places that you're working, how do you approach that day and that moment and the people you work with? As, you know, here's an opportunity for me to be that glimpse of heaven, that glimpse of the peace of Christ, the joy of Christ, the hope of Christ, in the midst of this situation, through the way I'm acting, through the way I'm interacting, through the ways that I'm speaking, through the ways that I'm serving, uh, through the ways that I'm, uh, I'm putting my effort into what I'm doing, and I'm doing it as though I'm doing it unto the Lord. Right? I'm approaching each opportunity that people might get a touch of heaven, a glimpse of heaven through the work that I'm doing. Right? How do we use our time, our talent, to point people towards Jesus? And then how can I use the treasures that God has given me to store up treasures in heaven? I mean, if you look at most of these keys that Randy Alcorn lays out in his treasure principle book, they seem to focus a lot on that, that treasure question. He talks a lot about giving. I'll say this. I believe the goal of giving in the church is not for the church to store up earthly treasures. I mean, if that's what's happening, then we're kind of missing the mark. Like, we're not, we're not supposed to be storing up earthly treasures as well. But, but giving in the church is so that we as individuals can develop a spirit of generosity with what ultimately belongs to God. I, mean, I think that's the key behind these principles that he's laid out for us, is that it's leading and guiding us in a way of generosity that recognizes this isn't mine. That what I have has been given to me by God, and so I'm going to give it to him. And I don't have time this morning to get into the biblical principle of tithing, other than to say that scripture uh, talks about giving your first fruits, talks about giving your best. In some places it references a tenth, but it's, it's ultimately it's giving to God in recognition that it belongs to him and that he's the one who first gave it. And I'm not saying this to, to make much of me, but to say that, you know, I try to live out what I'm talking about. Uh, whenever I get paid, the first thing that I try to do is to go online. I, I do my giving online. Is to go online and, and take care of it then because the reality is if it wasn't one of the first things I did, but I'd get to the end of the month and I would have spent it on something else. <laughs> it would be gone. Um, so I try to give that first. And then uh, I find other ministries and organizations outside the church that are producing fruit for the kingdom. And I give in support of those. 
And so there are other ways that we can give. I say this to say, like, you can give to other ministries, not just the church, that are producing fruit for God's kingdom, that are serving His purposes. But the purpose of our giving, right, the heart behind what we do with our time and our talent and our treasures is to place our focus, it's to place our lives, it's to place our dreams, to place our desires in God's hands. It's to say, God, all of this is yours. I know it. You already knew it long before I affirmed it, but it's yours. And so, God, I'm, I'm just offering it all to you, saying to use it, to use me, to accomplish your will and your purpose on earth. And the other truth that comes alongside of this as we read Jesus's words is that uh, storing up treasures in heaven, using our time, our telling our treasures for his purposes, it doesn't mean that we can buy our way into heaven. There's no buying your way in. Uh, there's no serving your way into heaven. The price of admission has already been paid by the blood of Jesus. It's his grace that's been offered to us that invites us to have that life eternal with him. But I don't know if somebody has truly made Jesus their Savior and Lord if they're not giving and serving in response to how he first gave himself for us. I mean, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So when your days on earth run out, will your heart be still here on earth? Or will it be in heaven with him? Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, we give you thanks for all that you have given to us, for all the ways that you have blessed us. Uh, You have been good to us beyond what we deserve. So Lord, we want to focus our hearts and our lives around your desires and your dreams and what you wish to accomplish. Lord, we we want our lives to honor and glorify you. So Lord, help us to, to hear and to know your voice. Help us to recognize as you are leading and guiding and calling us forth in service to your kingdom. Lord, we entrust ourselves into your hands. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.